Welcome to the It Was a Thing on TV podcast, episode 12, submission 006. Hello, Larry. Hello, Larry aired on NBC from January 26th of 1979 to April 30th of 1980 for a total of 38 episodes. Well, hello, Larry. As always, I'm joined by Chico Alexander and Greg Diener, and we're looking at a show that people have actually told us, you need to cover this, you need to cover this, and we said, whoa, slow your roll. We're going to cover it. And it just happens we're covering it today. Uh, I want to start just with the theme song. Feelings? Comments? It's um, it's it's an earworm. Uh, the kids would call it a bop. But I'm doing my research, and it said the death of the theme song, which is totally unfair because you have Jeff C. Frederick and Bennett Salve not ten years later. It is quite the earworm, and actually, that's the one thing I'm, I'm when I'm seeing stuff uh, about Hello Larry podcasts and, and and video reviews. The one thing a lot of people say is the theme song is like so epic, and I, I agree. It's a great theme song. It's very catchy, but also similar to what we said in Lidsville, this does really sort of set up what the show is about or the series is about. Yeah, I mean, again. You talked to it's like let's go over this line by line if we shall. Hello, Indeed. Larry. Hello, Larry. Hello, Larry. <laughs> okay. Hello. Should, yeah, Greg and I will be the backup singers. Okay. Yeah. Hello, Larry. Hello, Hello Larry. Larry. You talk to people all day for a living. Hello, Larry. Hello, Larry. Of course, of course, he's gonna talk to people all day for a living because he's a, he's a talk radio DJ. I don't think he's is he a sh- would you, would you call him a radio shrink? Is that what he is? A radio shrink? He, he was Frasier fifteen years before Frasier was a series. Okay, so I, I think it's a fair analysis. Yes. Oh yes. yes. Uh, but all those easy answers you are giving, are you really living your life that way? Oh, so he's a hypocrite. Yeah, so, yeah, it's like he's giving answers to questions that fit conveniently in between the commercials as radio shrinks are wont to do. Uh, uh, Portland is a long way from L.A., and again, this is oh. a crucial plot point because... Uh, Larry was, what, a successful psychiatrist shrink in Los Angeles before he moved to L.A. with, and this is where the second verse comes in, Hello, Larry. Hello, Hello Larry. Larry. 
two kids to raise alone just ain't that easy. Hello, Larry. Hello, Larry. Yeah, so yeah, he uh, he moved to uh, from Los Angeles to Portland. By the way, I got from our notes here. Portland is actually only 820 miles from LA. That's still a long damn distance. It, it, it's a two-day trip. Okay. Not if you got it. Anyway, uh, again, he moved there with his two daughters. Uh, the questions they're asking aren't that breezy. They're, that's like... Hello, Larry. Now, there's not a Hello, Larry there. <laughs> Read the script. Oh, okay. The answers you're giving don't always pay, but that's the way it is with kids today. But, yeah, it's like Larry's job, he has those problems that fit nice and neat in between the commercials on the radio show. Uh, when he comes home, his two daughters have a little bit more to uh, ask about life, the universe, and everything. And we'll get to that in a little bit, yes. Yep. Okay. Uh, going into the uh, end here, the calls are coming in. Yeah, better start to grin, because you never know just what they're going to say. Hello, Larry! Larry. Hello, Larry. Hello, Larry. Hello, Larry. Hello, Larry. Well, hello, Larry. And that is the theme song. Again, very expository. That last bit is just self-explanatory right there, because you really don't know what's going to say. Like, this show was based, this show is basically Frasier with kids. Well, also, I want to add that that was the first season lyrics because there was a slight change in the second season, and we're going to get also into that later, the, the changes between season one and season two. So the line that went, the calls are coming in, you better start to grin, which was about his his radio side, was changed to, you're raising them just fine regarding the kids, but keep an open mind because you never know just what they're going to say. So hello Larry. <laughs> hello Larry. Hello Larry. <laughs> so yeah, the, the theme song paints a beautiful picture as to what to expect, and it is a bit of an earworm. And uh it, it's just a darn shame the rest of the show wasn't as good as the theme. But this is sort of a, a, a commonality in with NBC back in 1979. And, spoiler, we're going to be covering more shows from uh, NBC in 1979 in the future. Not going to tell you which ones. You could probably yeah, guess. You, you have an idea of what's coming. Yeah, I, I, there, there's one that's probably right on the top of your head, and we're like, yeah, we're way ahead. We're way ahead. Yeah, just be patient. But, uh, yeah, I, I shared with uh, the gentleman uh, earlier uh, – the uh, the Friday night lineup for NBC on that premiere night, that January 26th of 1979, it started off with Different Strokes, which is a great show. It, it is a, a submission on our list, though, for a couple of reasons. Uh, and then after that was Brothers and Sisters, yet another submission. Follow the trend here. And then at 9 o'clock, you had Turnabout. Guess what? Another submission. Then Hello, Larry was at 9.30, and then 10 o'clock was Sweepstakes with uh, Ed Burns. Spoiler, another submission. So, yeah, it, 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 if there's that many submissions, uh, 
I think right there is like five or six submissions for one night. Yeah, NBC, there's something wrong there. Um, But also on top of that, uh, just those shows doing so bad within a month, a month, a month of, of the premiere, Hello Larry moved from 9.30 on Friday nights to 8.30 on Friday nights, which might actually say a lot about Brothers and Sisters and and uh, and Turnabout, the two shows that got bumped from the schedule. And then actually you had Different Strokes, Hello Larry, then you had The Rockford Files, and then you had Sweepstakes again for a very short run. It didn't last much longer. So yeah, this is just like NBC in 1979 in a nutshell, at least among its nighttime offerings. Daytime did significantly better, but again, that's another episode. And yeah, NBC almost went bankrupt, again, primarily over one show, which is a submission, and also Fred Silverman. I mean, it just just almost killed the network. Yeah, let's talk about Fred Silverman for a second. Okay, keep it clean. Well, we know Fred Silverman had this history at CBS and ABC as, as this genius programming executive. And when he got to NBC in the late 70s, everyone thought, well, it's now going to be NBC's turn to get some of that Fred Silverman magic. And, well, uh, his golden goose uh, turned into a pumpkin very quick. Well... I'm going to agree and disagree with you. Um, Just last night, as a matter of fact, I I was listening to a new-to-me podcast called Mobituaries, done by Mo Rocca. Yes. Very good podcast. I got to say, it's a great podcast. I subscribed to it uh, after I listened to this episode. And the episode, uh, his episode this week had to do with the uh, the death of, of uh, the country broadcasting system when uh, CBS went all rural with uh, Hee Haw and Green Acres and Petticoat Junction and Beverly Hillbillies and uh, Andy Griffith and Gomer Pyle and Mayberry RFD, all those rural shows. And who's the person who uh, who, who canceled all those shows? Fred Silverman. Fred Silverman. And, and yeah, I could understand partially, you know, why it was done. I mean, you're you're, re- you're reaching out at the time to the rural people who, at the time, would have just started getting television or getting access to television. I get that, and that would be something that interests them. But also, in another way, you're you're killing the the golden goose kind of sorta of, because you know Beverly Hillbillies had been on for a good at that point seven years or so. And Green Acres had been on five or six years, and Petticoat Junction had been on for just about as long, and Hee Haw had only been on for about, I think, two or three years at that point. Uh, and of course, Hee Haw found future life in, in in syndication. And if I you remember know, correctly, I think Hee Haw might be on our list in, in some capacity. I think the Hee Haw Honeys are on the list. Hee Haw Honeys, that's what it is, yes. Well, but 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 still, Hee had lived on for darn close to 20 years longer in syndication, and even now, you know, in 2019, on the verge of being 2020, 
you can still see Hee Haw reruns on RFD television. Albeit, I think they're older reruns. I think from the late 80s and, er, and mid 80s. They're not going back to the 70s or anything like that. But still, it, it has some popularity. Hey, as we long get, as they as long as they get to see Victoria Holman, then all good. We we know, Greg. We know. Calm down. <laughs> but but also, but but also at the same time, Fred Silverman, he did bring good things to ABC. Yeah, he he did bring aboard Love Boat. Three's company. Three's company. company. Yeah. Welcome uh, back, Potter. Welcome back, Cotter. Uh, he would have been there, I believe, around the time Happy Days started. Yeah, Happy Days started 74, 74, right. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I'm more focusing on Love Boat, which sort of is, is sort of a uh, foreshadowing to uh, a future episode or two. We're not going to get into it, but, but, but yeah, he, he did bring these very big shows he he was in control when abc really had a, a a superstar lineup mork and mindy would have been probably right at the end of his tenure that would have been about 78 or so yes 78 yeah. so yeah so he did well there cbs i mean admittedly if you think about it even though he he killed off the rural shows what did he put in its place in like 70 71 all in the family which then sprung on to the Jeffersons Maud. and Good Times and Maud. And, I mean, that's like the 70s right there in a nutshell. That's like Norman Lear's 1970s. All in the Family, Maud, Good Times, Jeffersons. I mean, that, that, that's, I mean if it, that was all that, uh, that Fred Silverman did at CBS, that would be huge. But also you've got M.A.S.H. And I'm trying to think what else he would have had in, in, on CBS. Well, he had... CBS would have been Kojak, I believe. Yes. And and that ran from the like mid seventies till I want to say about seventy eight or so, seventy seven, seventy eight. So yeah. So, so so Fred Silverman did good at CBS. He did good at ABC. He comes to NBC with these grand plans, and he just absolutely poops the bed. And Fred Silverman was still getting work. I mean, even 20 years ago, he was, I think, one of the, the minds behind 21, or at least he was associated with 21 in his, some way. It, yeah, his uh, production yeah. company was behind 21. And, oh, also, spoiler, another submission. <laughs> so, so many spoilers. Get on with it, Mike. <laughs> well, look at the the connections here. All these things have to do with Fred Silverman, and they're all these submissions we're going to cover in the future. Um, but yeah, so so it just, you know, I just think NBC and, and Fred Silverman is bad luck. Don't put them together. Uh, they're they're like and, oil and water. And, they just don't. Unless, unless it's Matt Locke. Or in the heat of the night. Okay, good points, but still, I mean, <laughs> that's two shows, and we've got, I mean, just like five or six that we just mentioned that are that are busts, and that's only just from uh, from winter of '79. There, there's other busts from '80 we could talk about. Oh, and again, we will. But moving on. But yeah, you but, mentioned it moved from Friday to from Friday at 9:30 to Friday at 8:30. And it yeah. stayed there. And it stayed there. And it stayed there. 
until episode seven of season two. Right. Moved... Yeah. Oh, I, oh, yeah. You can finish it. Yeah. Wanna... Oh, it moved to Wednesday at nine thirty. Along with different strokes, different strokes yeah. made the move as well. So they kept the different strokes and and Hello Larry combo together, and technically. Hello, Larry's not a spinoff of Different Strokes. They're sort of adjacent. I think that would be the best way of, of phrasing it. Because there were crossover episodes. There were actually three crossover episodes where the, the cast of, of Hello, Larry went to Different Strokes and vice versa. Uh, one of them had to do with uh, Mr. Drummond was going to buy the TV, or not the TV station. Mr. Drummond was going to buy the radio station. And so he went up and visited his friend, uh, Larry Alder, and uh, and Phil Drummond was considering downsizing uh, the station. And then in season two, uh, the Drummond family actually welcomed the Alders to New York, New York City because Larry was auditioning for his own television talk show there. And that was another crossover episode with the different strokes. Uh, and actually, all these episodes of Hello, Larry, that we're talking about are actually within the different stroke syndication package. So if there's reruns anywhere, I know there used to be some on one of the stars channels, I believe uh, maybe it's at me TV or antenna TV, but yeah, it's entirely possible. You could see these pop up in, in, uh, in reruns on those shows. And then the third episode, uh, the olders go back to New York city again. Larry tries pitching the sale of a, of a TV station he wants to manage to Philip Drummond's company. So there's a, a lot going on there. And it's I, – I, I really want to find these episodes now. I, I really want to see how they interact because Different Strokes, I mean, I think is one of the best sitcoms of the 70s and, and early to mid-80s. It's one of my favorites uh, growing up. And Hello, Larry's one I just don't remember. You two wouldn't have been born yet, and I would have been all of about four when it aired, four or five. So I, I just don't remember seeing it. And don't even remember the theme song, and usually I am a magnet for those types of things. So now, the, the cast. Now, we uh, mentioned that uh, Larry, Larry Alder was played by the one and only McLean Stevenson. He of the McLean Stevenson show. He of leaving MASH after the third season. Uh, <laughs> he of in the beginning. In the beginning. Dirty Dancing. Condo. The many, final season of the uh, 70s era match game. Final, yeah. season, final season of the 70s. Yeah, the, the, well, actually at that point, early 80s syndicated match game. So yeah, McLean Stevenson, who's sort of like a poster boy for bad shows. He was Larry Alder, the, the main character. And then uh, Diane Alder, one of his daughters in season one, was played by Donna Wilkes. But then in season two, was played by Krista Erickson. So changing daughters mid-season, that's, that's something. Uh, and then the other daughter, Ruthie, was played by Kim Richards, whose name you may recognize... She's one of the housewives of Beverly Hills. Also, if you've seen the meme of the woman yelling at the cat, I mean, who doesn't love that meme first off? But I if love you've that seen meme. that, oh, that meme is so good. She's the sister of the woman 
in that meme who's holding back the woman that's screaming. That's Kyle Richards screaming at the woman! So that's who Kim Richards is, if you aren't entirely familiar with her. Uh, and then uh, you had Joanna Gleason, daughter of Marty Hall, by the way, who played Morgan Winslow, who was the producer of the show, of the radio show. And then you had uh, George Mamoli, who was Earl, who played sort of the bumbling, goofy engineer. Um, if anything, I think he's more known, at least on this show, he was a big guy. I mean, yeah, he, must been, he, he must have been pushing at least four to 450 pounds. He, he was a very big guy. And then uh, season two, there were some cast changes. We mentioned uh, Diane Alders being played by a different uh, person. But also the focus switched more from Larry's radio life to his home life. And we then got uh, one of his neighbors, Leona Wilson, played by Ruth Brown. We also got Larry's dad, Henry, who is played by Fred Stuffman. And uh, and there was a neighbor kid. I can't remember the neighbor kid's name. His neighbor kid is John, is Tommy. Tom, uh, of Tommy. course. Another Tommy, of course. Uh, I'm and, sure it's and, not Tammy like last time. No, no, it's it's Tommy. Okay. Uh, yeah, and Tommy, Tammy. Tommy was played by John Famia, and he was like the little pain in the ass neighborhood kid. You just wanted to like secretly just like pop over the head when he does something stupid. I mean, I, I did not like him on on the episode that I saw. And the thing is, yeah, speaking of the episodes, there's only two out there. Yeah. Uh, there's a season uh, one episode and a season two episode, so we can sort of compare and contrast the yeah. two seasons that way. But yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, to give you sort of a, a mental picture, imagine Tommy at, is the uh, Steve Urkel to Ruthie's Laura Winslow. That's actually a good comparison. I like that. Except, except I don't think that Steve Urkel was ever as annoying as this kid. As, as oh, Tommy. yes, he was. <laughs> well, well, not, maybe my threshold of, of pain with with uh, Steve Urkel was a little higher than yours, but I, I just, I, Tommy, I found be, to be very annoying. And then actually Tommy also, if the name doesn't ring a, b a bell, John Famia, he actually uh, ended up on another possible future submission. <laughs> Square pegs. Oh yeah. I, I was actually uh, just within the last week or so, uh, watching some uh, some opens from 80 shows, and here's Square Pegs, and I see the name John Famia. It's like, oh my gosh, that's the, the 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 annoying little brat from season two of Hello Larry. So, at least he went on to do something else besides uh, the second season of Hello Larry. Well, he, sh he shared a stage with Sarah Jessica Parker. We should all be so lucky. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, as I said earlier, in season one, the show, even though it didn't totally focus on Larry's work life, there was still time at the radio station, but but still a lot of the episodes were devoted to his relationship with his family. And then season two was pretty much your, your standard sitcom fare uh, in terms of family sitcom. Oh, wait, wait, Mike, Mike. Whoa, you yes. Forgot, you forgot the 
you forgot one really big, or I should say one really tall character in season two. Oh, I did, I did. And yes, um... In the and, most meta casting... He's not as tall as McLean Stevenson, though, so... Oh, he's not that oh. tall. Yes, I just realized. Yes, I know yeah, what you're talking we just about. Totally, we just totally blew off Metal Arc Lemon. Yeah, yep. Metal Arc Lemon, the, the Harlem Globetrotter, played himself as a series, and he was a sporting goods store owner. And I can't say anything about him because he wasn't in that season two episode that's online. Uh. So I don't know what he brought to the festivities besides the metal arc lemon name. Here's a celebrity. Uh, yeah. The occasional basketball trip. I think that was, co- I think that was contractually stipulated that he do one of that per episode. I don't know. Yeah. Or, or maybe he like every episode dumped a, a, a bucket of confetti on, on McLean Stevenson. Who knows? Yeah, he, he probably did something very Harlem Globetrotter-ish. Uh, but uh, yeah, that, that, it just reminds me now that you say that again, another thing I just ran into probably about a month ago or so was when metal arc lemon was the guest star on. Okay. Boomer or not. Okay. Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that I went. Okay. Boomer. Oh my gosh. The show we all wish was real. <laughs> oh my gosh. Here's Boomer. I'm sorry. Though I'd love to see a show called OK Boomer. Oh my god. You never know. It could it could be on the CBS fall schedule. You never know. <laughs> so yeah. Uh here's Boomer. Oh my gosh. Another future submission by the <laughs> <laughs> So so yeah, so apparently uh in the early 80s Metal Arc Lemon was making the rounds, uh, doing guest appearances on talk sh- or not talk shows, on TV shows and uh, sitcoms. And I mean, he would have been probably, I'm guessing, mid 40s, late 40s, early 50s at the time. So he probably maybe outlived his his lifespan being a Harlem Globetrotter. Yeah, he was. It was a uh, mid to late. For- he was in his mid to late 40s. Yeah, and so yeah. Uh, as we said, the show uh, changed its focus from Larry's work life to his home life in season two. And going through the episodes, and we're not going to go episode by episode, but uh, and at least comment because we can't really comment or, or, or about the episodes since they're we really haven't seen them. But um, uh, starting with episode one in 79, Diane's boyfriend is putting pressure on her to go all the way. Okay, that sounds like typical teenage fare. I mean, whether it's 1979 or 2019. Uh, episode two, Ruthie is rejected at school by her friends as they learn her dad is a local outspoken talk show host. So obviously that tells us that Larry was very controversial on the air. Well, I mean, it's in the theme song. We mentioned that earlier. Uh, the calls are coming in. You better start to grin because you just never know what they're going to say. And the questions they're asking aren't that breezy. The answers you're given don't always pay, but that's the way it is with kids today. 
So, yeah, I, I mean, Larry was, to say the least, a little controversial. Uh, episode three, and, th- and one, this actually we haven't even mentioned at this point. The key uh, thing to take out of the show is Larry was raising his daughters. We haven't mentioned anything about a wife. He actually was divorced from his wife. And his ex-wife makes uh, appearances in season two. We'll get to that momentarily. And the uh, ex-wife was played by Shelley Fabry, who you would know better from Coach. So uh, episode three, Larry receives his divorce papers, his final divorce papers, and struggles with his and the girl's emotions reacting to the official end of his marriage. So, I mean, there's a semi-serious topic there that, it, it, like I said, it, it's it, it, it's really sort of like a microcosm of stuff that you would have seen in the 70s and early 80s. I mean, I know divorces weren't terribly popular or maybe even kind of forbidden until maybe the, the early 70s or late 60s. Um but yeah, I mean, this is a reality now. Divorces, uh, and I'm talking about now, not just 2019, but in 1979, divorce was a real thing. Uh, episode four, homesick Diane begins to miss her boyfriend in LA, so she decides to hitch her way back. Again, puppy love. Uh, uh, Diane and Ruthie begin to miss their mom, and Morgan helps fill the void. Now here's so, the now here's the. Uh, sort of episode that you pretty much want to see coming because again here's a female character here are two kids they're missing their mom she could morgan the producer she could be the mom it just makes sense and again there's a sense of realism there that that's a real thing that happens when uh with a divorced family so like i said there it, it it's almost, almost almost sounding like it's coming off like a drama. There's a lot of very realistic plot lines here. I mean, this isn't just well, a dopey it, comedy. You know, it's it's one of those smart comedies that come out of the age because if you look at the at yeah, look at the credits. Guess what else they did? They did one day at a time for CBS. Yes, they did. Similar circumstances, but let's just change the role a little bit. Instead of you know, Larry and his daughters moving for, uh, to Portland, you have Alice and her son moving to Arizona. Oh, just made oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Mm. But yeah, it, it's, oh. it, it's an interesting parallel you mentioned there. Episode six, uh, Ruthie and her friend Eric develop a case of puppy love. Oh, there's a phrase that I just mentioned, puppy love, and aren't sure how to react. Uh, episode seven, recently divorced Larry goes on a date with Morgan's sister, much to Morgan's worry. Don't tell us. Yeah. yeah we haven't been there here. I'm going to hook you uh, up with my, my best friend or my sister and you guys can go on a date. We, we know how that usually ends. Yeah. Yeah. Not from experience though. We can't, you know, not I'm the, uh, I'm the mayor of beautiful ta- downtown there. Thank you very much. Jeez. Oh, uh, episode eight. It's feared that Diane is on uppers when Larry finds them in her purse. Wow. That seems like a plot from, from a 2019 episode. Seems very timely. It, well, I mean, I think it's one of those things that's almost timeless because, 
you know, how many times have we seen episodes where, oh, little Billy's got drugs? I mean, going back to uh, different strokes, there was an episode where they had the president's wife on saying, don't do drugs. So, yeah, it's, it, it sounds like just another plot line, which, again, has a sense of realism to it because it's it's definitely not fake. That's especially nowadays, given the, the opioid crises. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, episode nine, New Tenant Leona moves into Larry's building and aids his daughters but angers him. And then uh, episode 10 is actually where uh, the Drummonds come to Portland and uh, and Philip Drummond is considering downsizing Larry's station. So there's that first crossover with with different strokes. Uh, and actually that would have, I'm going to uh, just make a, an assumption here. Since this was called The Trip Part 2, I would assume The Trip Part 1 aired half an hour earlier as since Different Strokes was different, the lead-in. Yeah. As an episode of Different Strokes, yeah. Right, so that's a nice little way to connect the, 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 the gap there. I, I, I like that. Uh, episode 11, before a party at the Alders, Ruthie's boyfriend Eric gets a crush on Diane. Uh-oh. Uh, episode 12, the girls compete to see which one takes better care of their sick father. Episode 13, Ruthie gets to do her own talk show for a school project. She uses Larry's radio show airtime. Okay, well, there's something that you don't generally see on, uh, that isn't a boilerplate sitcom plot. That's actually kind of interesting. I heard an ooh from Greg. Did you want to say something? Uh, No, I just, I just think that's, that's amazing. Ruthie has her own takes her dad's rare time it's take your daughter to work day on the radio and uh, the final episode of season one diane catches ruthie stealing again another timeless episode yeah because that hasn't been done twenty thousand times before or since and, and the one episode that actually is online uh on youtube from season one is ruthie's first crush Aww. Which is episode six, the one where uh, her and Eric get a case of puppy love and aren't sure how to react. So then we come back with season two. And the first episode is, again, a crossover with different strokes. The Drummond family welcomes the Alders to New York City as Larry auditions there for a TV talk show. And again, the uh, different strokes, presumably from that night. And actually, since this was September of 79... And it's a season premiere. Oh, I'm sure NBC was boosting this like all over the place. Oh, well, it's different strokes. And then we're going to have the different strokes cast. Come on. Hello, Larry. It's going to be an hour you want to watch. And then a two part episode. And apparently this uh, aired the same night. Diane, thinking Ruthie is too much of a tomboy, convinces Ruthie to go to a school dance with a nice boy her age. Her own age. But during that date, Ruthie develops a crush on Cubby, a slick-talking 17-year-old young man who intends to make the inexperienced younger girl his next conquest. Oh, dear. Oh, this isn't going to end well. After inviting Cubby over without Larry's permission, Ruthie must swiftly learn how to deal with Cubby and his more grown-up intentions toward her. Oh, somebody's going to get their ass whooped. Yeah, like you guys said, this isn't going to end well. I don't th- think you want to make McLean Stevenson upset. He, but, was hey, a, he was a Korean. Come on now. 
Well, as the, the lyrics said in season two, you're raising them just fine, but keep an open mind. But that's the way it is with kids today. Oh, for the love of God, no. I went there. You've got to keep an open mind, Larry, but that's the way it is with kids in the late 70s. Okay, here's where the ex-wife comes into play. Larry's ex-wife, Marion, comes to visit while Larry has to leave town with Morgan on a business trip. And again, as I mentioned earlier, Marion was played by Shelley Fabry. And then this actually is a two-part episode. The next week, Ruthie keeps hoping her parents will get back together and tries much persuasion. Larry and Marion go out and have an interesting evening. And again, that's been done before where they separate, at least on other TV shows, temporarily separate, contemplate divorcing. But then, oh, I miss the big guy. I mean, specifically, the thing that comes to my mind is there was a three-part episode uh, on the last season of Married with Children, which did just about this exact same thing. Oh, by the way, the final season of Married with Children is a future submission. <laughs> oh. Let's just get all our submissions out of here in one way or another. But yeah, uh, uh, Alan Peg Bundy, they went to a therapist, decided uh, that uh, they were going to split. Al lived on his own, was very bored, lived in this shabby apartment, and uh, and Peg was very... Um, she was missing the big guy. She was missing Al. And she actually went on a date with somebody. And Greg, you won't believe who she went on a date with. McClade um, Stevenson. Well, 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 not the character name, but the actor name. Not um, McClade Stevenson. I think McClade yeah, might have been dead by then. He was already dead by the last season of Married with Children. Oh, Greg. Yeah, the, the person I'm talking about? Oh. Alan Thick. Oh, oh, yes, I'm Leon Thick, and I'm going to be dating Peggy Bundy, hey. Yeah. <laughs> I knew Greg would like that. <laughs> uh, then, uh, goodbye, Marion. Larry and Marion announced they're getting remarried. However, they run into problems on where they will live and where they'll work. Because Marion is in L.A., and Larry's in Portland, and... Portland is Portland's a long, long way, LA. way from LA. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, we went over this. Already. Oh yeah, exactly. It's right there in the theme song. For heaven's sakes, uh, episode twenty-one. Uh, Larry, looking for extra work, gets an offer to host a nude beauty pageant, but the catch is he has to be nude too. Oh no! Hello, Larry. Hello, Larry. <laughs> Hello, Larry. <laughs> I don't. Don't want to think of McLean Stevenson naked. No. Why do you have to put that thought in my head, Mike? Why? Hey, hey, blame NBC 40 years ago. It's not my fault. I'm just the messenger. This was, this was NBC in 1980. They needed the ratings. Right. Even a naked McLean Stevenson will get ratings somehow. Uh, episode 22. Morgan becomes Larry's boss, and Larry is, Larry is jealous of her new position and promotion. Okay, that, again, is very realistic. You know, somebody gets a promotion and, and there's some level of jealousy. Uh, episode 23, Marion's new fiancé comes to visit and he mentions uh, that uh, he and Marion are, uh, are going to get shared custody of the girls. Again, serious issue back in the uh, 70s with split families and divorces and all that. 
Episode 24, another crossover with different strokes. The Alders go to New York City one more time as Larry tries to pitch the sale of a television station he wants to manage to fill Drummond's company. And again, that's within the different strokes syndication package. Uh, episode 25, huge troubles arise when Diane develops a big drinking problem. Again, reality. That, that's, a, uh, that's something that, that's true to life. 26, Tommy has to move in temporarily with the Alders while his mother's away. Oh, I feel bad for you, Larry. You got to deal with all this. Oh, oh. I've had some wacky shenanigans happen. Oh, oh you know hilarity ensued. Absolutely. Uh, episode 27. Now, here's where we get to meet Larry's father. Larry's father moves in and, against Larry's wishes... He gives Diane money to buy a car. Episode 28. I'm sorry? Wait, what? Larry's Larry's father moves in, and against Larry's wishes, he gives Diane money to buy a car. Does that not sound like every grandparent you've ever known? Yes, if my my grandma or grandpa gave me money to buy a car, I'd be like, thank you. I get what you're saying. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. If you're the uh, the parent, if you're in the Larry position at this point, you'd be like, hey, you know what? She wants a car. You just saved me $2,000 or however much a beater would have cost back in in 1979, 1980. Also, McCle- also McClay Stevenson's character of Larry, he has to- how much money is he making at this radio station? He I can't have no idea. But, uh, uh, he, he can't afford to... He, he can't, can't afford, afford to give Dodson. his daughter. He can't afford to give his daughter a used car in 1979. What the hell? He can't afford a Dotson. But I thought everybody could afford a Dotson. Yeah, I mean Ford Pintos were like, you know, new. They probably weren't much more than about four or five thousand dollars, and I say that from experience. Yeah, we had one in the family. Episode 28, Larry's ex-wife Marion sends a... Oh, another money thing. Larry's ex-wife Marion sends a sizable check to help him buy a house for his daughters. And in the process, it changes Larry's pride. So now, wait. He didn't... He couldn't buy a car for his daughter, or at least his father was going to buy the car. Now the next episode, the ex-wife sends money to him to buy a house. This must... This must be a running gag about how notoriously cheap Larry must be. Oh, jeez. I think you might be right. Episode 29, and this is the season two episode, and this is on Vimeo, if I remember correctly. Ruthie gets into a fight with her new piano teacher, who is very much disliked. He dies after their argument, and Ruthie feels responsible for his death. And he might, he probably must have been real old. His time is probably coming anyway. Well, he was. I, I think, I, I'm pretty, well, you, I think, actually showed us the episode. Yeah, he was old, old, an older gentleman. But, I mean, of all the episodes that could be online, this is the one we get. I mean, we have all this about the ex-wife and going to New York uh, for the uh, radio station and the, the, t- the TV talk show and the crossovers and whatnot and uh, all the the relationship issues 
that the daughters are having, and we get the piano teacher who lives in the same apartment complex. He's a pain in the butt, and he dies, and he's sitting there in rigor mortis on the on the uh, the recliner, and Ruthie doesn't uh, not just uh, she doesn't just feel responsible for his death; she doesn't know what to do. So I mean, they, they put like a tarp over him or a blanket, and yeah, oh, we got to hide the body because we're going to be uh, arrested for murder or something like that. It, like I said, if, if there was any other episode online, I would have loved to see it, but this is the one we got, and we just got got to work with what we uh, have available. Yes, just like how we unfortunately didn't have any Mister Smith to work with. Oh, but we had fun doing that. Yeah, we did. Episode 30, Morgan's blind nephew gets a sympathetic Ruthie to be his date. Aww. Yeah, it sounds like pity date there. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, uh, 31. Well, well, it was with, well, it was with, it was with Kim Richards, so draw your own conclusion. He was still blind. Uh, oh. <laughs> episode oh. what? What? Am I wrong? No, no. No. Episode 31, Larry meets a female tenant who happens to be Tommy's mother in his building's laundry room, and things get very serious. Wow, chicka, wow, wow. Oh, God. Next episode. This is actually a three-part episode. Larry's midlife crisis. Larry uses his radio show to protest the destruction of a local hotel housing senior citizens. He then ends up in jail and is fired from his radio job. No! Uh oh. Well, I, I again, I think we've seen this in the past in some other episodes, uh, other shows, but in different ways. Because I remember there was, it may have been a just a one-part episode, maybe a two-part episode of Night Court, where Bull didn't want a theater to be destroyed, and he actually chained himself to the theater. And uh, ultimately what happened is the theater got saved because uh, the whole gang at Night Court acquired enough proxies uh, of the shares of the stocks to basically say, no, we're not going to destruct this uh, this historic theater. That's the, that's the plot of UHF, dude. No, but UHF involved the television station. That's different. And then part two, Larry seeks new job offers after the loss of his radio job. And then uh, uh, part three, Morgan also finds herself jobless. And Larry confronts the station's boss's son in order to at least try to get her job back at the radio station. Then uh, episodes 35 and 36, a two-part episode. So we went from a three-parter to a two-parter. Ruthie wants to go to a big concert, but it is sold out. Luckily, her DJ father, I don't know if I'd call him a DJ, but okay, her DJ father helped give the young man his first break on the radio back in L.A. Larry takes the girls to see the singer Kurt Stone in his hotel, but later on, after Larry says no to Diane, she decides to run away from home to visit the rock star in San Francisco. What is it with these girls running away? One of them tried to run away back to L.A. to visit her long-lost boyfriend, and now this time, uh, one of the uh, daughters tries to run away to San Francisco to be with this rock star. That's I guess the artists don't want to be... 
That's the way it is with kids today. They don't want to be near McLean Stevenson that much. Oh, God! Now, I just wonder if uh, all these uh, actors and actresses realize that Hello, Larry's such a dog. They're trying to do anything to get off the show. I'm going to oh. San Francisco whether you like it or not! Oh, boy. <laughs> Uh, part two, having run away to see rock star Kurt Stone in San Francisco, Diane must make a very important decision. She must choose between her new love and her family. Like we all haven't been there at some point. Second to last episode. Yay! Tommy asks Larry for advice on women. Okay, I'm done right after saying that. <laughs> Tommy asks for Larry. Kid's a- this kid's asking me for advice on how to get women. I'm like, no, you're on your own. You're on your own, buddy. Well, and now I read the second part. Soon, Tommy is in very serious trouble at school for kissing a girl in a broom closet. Oh, boy. Hashtag me too. Hashtag me too. Oh, jeez. And then uh, the last episode of the series, Morgan's new secretary dates Larry's father, and it soon seems that marriage is in their plans. You know what? That's a good. That's a good point to stop. That's yeah. a very, that's a very good point to stop. Now, okay, we've gone through the episodes, and 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 we did see a lot of realism in there, uh, especially with the girls' relationships, the the teenage issues. Uh, let's admit it, and not just with the daughters. We just said the second to last episode, Tommy was asking for relationship advice or love advice from Larry. Yeah, don't tell me that, you know, boys haven't done that in the past. You know, we've all had talks with our father or grandfather or somebody we trust saying, you know, can you tell me about the birds and the bees? So, again, there's a lot of reality there. So what really killed the show? Now, I've got five possible answers here, and we're going to go through them uh, one by one. Uh, Ratings. I'm going to say probably not ratings, and I'm going to tell you why. It did start off low. It was in the 50s for the first part of the run. But then, right near cancellation, within the last, like, two to three months, its ratings got better, presumably because of different strokes. And actually, within about two weeks of its cancellation, it peaked at number 31. 31 shows out of 69. Nice. I was waiting for that. So, And some of the shows that Hello Larry beat that week, listen to these shows. These are you know some long-running shows, some very successful shows. Hello Larry was at 31. Quincy, which I, Quincy was on NBC. It wouldn't have been, I don't think it was on Wednesday nights at that point. Uh, but Quincy, The Love Boat, which we mentioned earlier. Fantasy Island. And, oh, by the way, those were 32, 33, and 34, respectively. So they were all right below Hell Larry. And then you had Barney Miller, WKRP in Cincinnati, The Rockford Files, which admittedly that was like the last season of The Rockford Files. It was probably running on empty at that point. And a reasonably new uh, sitcom at that time called The Facts of Life. So I don't think the, the ratings actually got better as time went on. So I don't think it was ratings that killed it. The writing. Oh, boy. The writing yes. The writing was very hackneyed. Actually, to say the writing was hackneyed would be a compliment. It was... It, it took... It basically took every sort of 
we had the serial comedy element, and at the same time, we had every sort of sitcom trope in the book. Well, also about the writing, uh, and this is a, something I showed to both uh, Chico and Greg a couple of days before we uh, recorded this episode. One thing I found during my searching for information on Hello Larry is I found uh, an installment of the comic John Darling. Uh, and it looks like it was, it was done by Tom Batuick, who is the person behind Funky Winker Bean and, um, and Crankshaft. Uh, and then somebody by the name of Armstrong who rings a bell, but I'm, don't know, I can't really put his name to a, a certain comic strip. Uh, the comic strip is about the government bailout of NBC. So, Senator Vale, what's your position on the government bailout of NBC? As you know, I've always been an advocate of the free enterprise system, but if we allow NBC to go under, thousands of people lose their jobs. And even with massive government retraining programs, I doubt if we could find work for the writers of Hello, Larry. Oh. That, that, that was a comic strip posted on May 24th of 1980. So even comics were making fun of Hello, Larry at this time. And, and the writing was pretty weak. Uh, so I think that's our forerunner for why Hello, Larry <clears throat> got canceled or isn't such, uh, such a disliking. Uh, McLean Stevenson... Honestly, I didn't have any issues with McLean Stevenson here. I, I thought he did a good job as a father, a good job as you know playing his role as as a talk show host on the radio. I, I have no complaints about McLean Stevenson here. What about you guys? No, I think he gave it. I think he gave his all in this series. I really think he did. Uh, you may not be able to say that about a lot of things that McLean Stevenson did after Mash, but I really think. Since he was like the lead here, he really did try his best. And considering this was his third attempt at a series post-match, Mash, I really think he tried. He was trying his best. Like God knows, I don't need another canceled series. I don't need it to be three. And to to the credit, it did get a second season. It did get a second season. Like uh, I just mentioned. The ratings were good enough at the end that maybe it could have gotten a third season, but apparently the, the folks at NBC said no. Um, what about the changes that we mentioned earlier? The the whole shift from season one being more or less about the radio station to then season two, it's more of a family type of, or not necessarily family uh, type of atmosphere, but more of a relation, uh, a look at his, his uh, home life. More like a, a traditional sitcom. Yeah, it didn't really seem to vibe. I mean, it it seemed like they were making a hard left back into, oh, look, it's a family sitcom, right after it trying to be, you know, the, the, the next family sitcom, if that makes any sense. Well, yeah, I mean, if you do a sudden format change i mean they didn't change the entire format but again there was so much change there were characters being added you had larry's father being added you had tommy the annoying neighbor kid being added you're almost saying at that point well you know we screwed up in the uh, to begin with with focusing on the the radio aspect and then finally 
Could it have been the equally bad shows surrounding Hello, Larry? Now, mind you, like I said earlier, you had Brothers and Sisters with Hello, Larry. That got canned well before Hello, Larry. You had Turnabout, which didn't even last, I think, more than six episodes. That got the can before Hello, Larry. You had Sweepstakes, which I think lasted nine episodes, and that got the can. And then uh, ultimately, you know, like I said, it moved to Wednesday nights on NBC, and it had the perfect lead-in. And like I said, it was not just with another series or a good series. It was like a technically adjacent series, not a spinoff, but one that sort of intermeshed their characters. You can tell they really tried to make this show a hit with the crossovers with different strokes. Absolutely. So, so I think uh, in the end, we're going to say that what, what killed the show was bad writing. Yes. Yeah. I think, if, I think that, if you had a much better writing staff, this show probably would have gone on for like at least five or six seasons. So I think if we're going to put it in order, bad writing is number one. The changes from season one to season two might be number two. Uh, maybe tied with uh, that would be the bad shows surrounding Hello, Larry. But still, those shows died. It lived on. It went uh, on to Wednesdays with, with different strokes. But then at the absolute bottom is probably ratings and McLean Stevenson because the ratings were going up and McLean Stevenson was very serviceable. Yeah, you almost have to blame the writing. I mean, you know... You don't make it onto TV Guide's uh, 50 worst shows of all time with good writing. Well, you, that, you're right about that. But also at the same point, you know, you've got McLean Stevenson sort of being in the same breath as Ted McGinley as somebody who kills TV shows when, yeah, oh. it, 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 yeah he, he just took the job and he might have tried his best, but it's just coincidence that you know, oh, Dirty Dancing didn't work as a TV show, another future entry, or Condo didn't work as a, a, a as a TV show, not an entry yet, but I'm going to submit it. So <laughs> I, I think we want to throw about 15 different submissions this episode. But, but yeah, I just go. think yeah, yeah I it. just think it's bad luck with McLean Stevenson with some of these shows. I mean, if McLean Stevenson was an actor, let's say in today's media landscape with streaming shows and everything, I guarantee you he'd be like on a, on like a Netflix show or a Prime show or on Hulu or something. And that could probably last three where they don't necessarily have to care about ratings or anything. Right, right. Uh, yeah, except Ted McGinley was actually on a, a show on Netflix. Future submission, by the way. Which and show would another, that another be? Another one? Oh my God. Which... Wait, which show would this be? No Good Nick. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, we mentioned that one, yeah. Yeah, because obviously it wouldn't be the Richie Rich 2015 reboot. No. Possible future entry. <laughs> I think we're going to get about 20 future entries by the time we're oh, done. Oh, jeez. So. Can we move on? Yeah, the last thing I want to mention... With and we we've talked about this with other episodes. What about it possibly popping up on a streaming service or on DVD? It's owned by Sony, and Sony does have Crackle, and they've had worse shows on Crackle than Hello Larry. I I would say. I mean, I've seen. I just went on there within the last few nights and I saw what they had, and it's like there's a lot of junk here. 
So, yeah, might it end up on, well, I mean, anything's possible. It could end up on a streaming service. I'd love to see it. Uh, or even DVD. Yeah, worst shows have been on both formats. And Mill Creek has been putting out a lot of Sony stuff, so that would be perfect for Mill Creek to put out. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be great. And honestly, and I told both of you guys this earlier, when I first looked at the uh, episodes and what their plot lines were, I was actually very intrigued to see these episodes. Not necessarily for the comedy, but I mean, you, you see the development of these characters. You see the growing up of the teenagers and their life struggles and the struggles, not just of being teenagers, but also being having parents that are separated and having crushes. And, you know, it's just usual teenage stuff. It actually intrigued me a ton. So, so yeah, I do actually agree with you, Greg. I think this is one of those shows that would be perfect by like Mill Creek or some little distributor. I, I mean, I don't know what type of deal Shout House has with Sony, but yeah, it's one of those operations would be absolutely perfect for this. Or even better, since they did it with one day at a time, let's do the uh, 2019 gritty reboot of this on Netflix. No? Okay. Gritty is Hello Larry. Hello Gritty. Hello, gritty. No, no, no. Oh my God! Gritty as gritty as the dad with like his two gritty-looking children. And on that note, <laughs> well, oh God. So yeah, Hello, Larry, with McLean Stevenson and a future Real Housewife. It was a thing on TV. It, it was. It was a thing on TV for about a year and a half. As always, you can find us at one place. Type into your browser, www.itwasathingontv.com. That'll take you to the podcast page. That'll link you to all our social media. We got an email address. You can email us. Let us know your suggestions, feedback, what have you. Until later this week when we're going to have a very special episode. Not going to talk about it. But it's going to be one you want to listen to. We're going to have a lot of fun with it. Maybe even more fun than we had with this episode. I want to thank Chico for his contributions as always. Greg for his contributions as always. And I'm Mike Klaus. And we will talk to you soon on the next episode of It Was a Thing on TV. Bye-bye. Well, hello, Larry. Hello, Larry. You talk to people all day for a living. Hello, Larry. But all those easy answers you're giving, are you really living your life that way? Portland is a long way from LA. A long, a long way. way. Hello, uh, Larry. Uh, hello, Larry. Two kids to raise alone just ain't that easy. Uh, hello, Larry. The questions they are asking aren't that breezy. The answers you're given don't always pay, but that's the way it is with kids today. The calls are coming in, you better start to grin, because you never know just what they're going to say. Uh, hello, Larry. Hello, Larry. Hello, Larry. Hello, Larry. Hello, Larry. Hello, Larry. Hello, hello, hello Larry. Well... Hello, Larry. Wow! Hello, Larry.
<laughs> Perfect. 